good afternoon to you. The subject today, if I can remember it, is Bloom Time, your garden sanctuary. Now, I, I, in previous Sunday sessions, I've talked of sanctuaries. I think that's pretty much the standing theme of uh, the Sunday sessions, is uh, indulging in your sanctuary, finding your sanctuary, and indulging in it uh, as your place of inspiration, your place of conscience, and place to make sense of everything, I suppose. Uh, here, I'm in the middle of the live willow can, in the middle of the tree labyrinth garden. This is wonderful. As you see, uh, there's not exactly flowers out here very much, not inside here. Flowers is something that uh, I seem to always feel I'm lacking here. I pay attention to the trees and the herbs, and I say, hmm, wouldn't it be nice to have more flowers? But for some reason, it's always down on the list. And there are people that may be watching now or later on whose gardens are absolutely covered in those beautiful yellows and pinks and reds and purples. And the, there's not only the colors, but the fragrance, the bees and the buzzing. And that is a sanctuary. And for a lot of people, that sanctuary is obviously when they're not necessarily contemplating, meditating, going through some mindfulness. It's when they're actually got their hands working this stuff and they're feeling it, hugging it, putting the trowels and forks in. All of that becomes sanctuary and all becomes a kind of meditation. For other people it can be on the beach or even in the sea itself or by a lock or by a river, by a waterfall, hearing that rippling, just being there in the bubbling river, that people can have a favorite spot that that's a sanctuary. And of course I give preference myself to outdoor sanctuaries, hence why I'm kind of mm, in the cold here, preferring to be outside here than in the cottage as much as possible. But there are some people who actually have a sanctuary that they've built that is actually inside somewhere uh, that they've made, they beautified uh, with the decoration, with the colors and the paints, and they've kind of organized it into a way that they feel very much at peace with themselves. But with this subject, this is obviously going to stick with garden sanctuary. And I originally timed this some months ago for this uh, Sunday session because I thought it was going to be bloom weekend this weekend that's obviously not happening it happened last weekend because that was the holiday weekend but anyway worth going forward with it and I don't know about yourself but I know when I was thinking back uh, a garden sanctuary a labyrinth sanctuary what would have perhaps been the inspirations for this certainly there are sort of consciousness inspirations but there are things that we indulge in in our lives that are also kind of triggers. And when I was thinking about this a couple of days ago, I realized that one of the triggers was that wonderful book, The Secret Garden by Francis Hodgson Burnett, uh, came out uh, in 1911. And I'm sure most people have either read a book of that or seen one of the various movies. My memory is of movies I think came out in the 50s uh, and the 60s. And uh, you probably know the story as such. Normally I would start this off as a storytelling session. I'd come up with a story, one of the stories I've collected. So instead I'm going to do my own wee synopsis uh, of the secret garden. And uh, obviously it's such a long story. I would take up the whole half hour going through it and dissecting it. But the main character is um, a Mary Lennox, a 10 year old girl. And she was born in India. 
and unfortunately her parents died of cholera and she was a real as some people say spoiled brat anyway feisty girl always feisty in every situation fighting every situation uh, when she became an orphan and was looked after a priest she was sort of feisty with a priest wasn't grateful for anything uh, nothing was right and so somehow the priest managed to link her up with an uncle an uncle Archibald and a hunchback man who lived in Yorkshire and somehow they managed to convince him to take her on so she went to Yorkshire met up with the uncle and the hunchback and she was still the feisty rude selfish uh, woman and which is strange because in these stories the girl is usually very sort of obedient and bullied and persecuted no not without Mary uh, Archibald the hunchback man he uh, unfortunately his wife had passed away his wife Lila's son who had worked in this incredible walled garden she loved the roses the whole thing was big with her was the roses but apparently she had an accident. I think she was up a tree and observing the garden and the branch snapped and boom, she was gone. And Archibald was so heartbroken. He just locked up the garden, hid the key. Nobody was to ever go in there again. And somehow he had some business, he had some work that would take him away, take him away from the mansion. So uh, Mary was stuck in the mansion under the care of uh, a housemaid, Martha, Martha the housemaid. But somehow Mary came to some kind of peace once she went over the moors of the Yorkshire moors and took the air and saw the views, somehow brought a peace. Then she would go round the gardens of the mansion. Obviously she couldn't get into the ward garden. Uh, and she made friends with a robin. She made friends with various birds, but it's the robin that was the bonded friendship. And that robin actually showed her where the key was so that she could get into the hidden secret garden, the walled garden. And she went in there and was amazed. And she said, I've got to have some tools and bring this back to life. Everything was overgrown, the roses and all the wisteria, all the other shrubs all overgrown and she wanted I suppose a feeling to bring some sort of care some sort of order into this so she uh, approached Martha the maid and asked could she have some tools and it turned out that Martha uh, also had a feisty son who was rude uh, nothing was right uh, was just giving out the whole time and his name was his name was Dickon, which really sounds like a character from that drama series, uh, Normal People, doesn't it? Anyway, Dickon became friends eventually with Mary after arguing with her a lot and was fascinated with the secret garden and wanted to be shown. And then once he was in there, he also became of peace and he worked with Mary and they got on absolutely fantastic. It was a, a great partnership. And then next, uh, the, this mansion also had a a gardener and the gardener's name uh, Ben Weatherstaff and Ben Weatherstaff heard the voices of these children in this garden which he knew was locked up and he didn't even know where the key was and what was going on so he got a ladder and looked over the wall and saw the kids in there oh, what are you doing in there and he started giving out and you know come on out of there 
Uh, but it turned out that he went in to get uh, go after them. He went through the gate. But as soon as he was in there, he came of peace. Oh, this is beautiful. So he wanted to be involved as well. So there was the whole three of them started getting uh, involved with this garden. Oh, well, the next step of that story from Wine Gala was as uh, Mary was sleeping in her room in the mansion, each night she started hearing a wailing that was getting louder and louder. And she could barely get any sleep, so she went along the corridors of the mansion and heard this wailing coming from a door and knocked and looked into the door and found this poor young boy who was wailing in pain and this happened to be Colin, who was the son of Archibald, and uh, he he had spinal bifida, he had some sort of disease where he was actually himself going into a hunchback form, and it, it was more the fear of becoming a hunchback like his father than the, the pain uh, that was uh, concerned with him. So feeling sorry for Colin, Mary then started visiting him and she he obviously Colin had not had company for a long time so Mary's visiting was very special and she told him stories about the garden and what they did in the garden and just tried to cheer him up uh, she was she wasn't the spoiled brat anymore she was full of upbeat stories full of imagination and she could tell the stories and of course after a while Colin said oh uh, can you uh, take me to this garden I want to see this garden I need to see this garden and so somehow I think either Colin had a wheelchair or they found a wheelchair for him and in the story he was in, he's in the wheelchair somehow they got him outside and they took him into the garden and there he was glad to be outside getting the air absolutely delight to see uh, uh, Mary and this Dickon man uh, boy working the garden and of course day after day of doing this he wanted to be involved himself and he actually got out of the wheelchair but he couldn't quite get to them he found a tree that he could actually settle with but the gardener uh, Weatherstaff he noticed he said boy your legs are getting stronger they're getting thicker soon you'll be able to stand and right enough he did manage to stand and he managed to join all the other three into caring and tending to the garden. There was a lot of other stuff that happened in between. As I say, this is very much a synopsis of the story, even though I've taken 10 minutes over it already. Uh, so what a nice surprise it was for the father Archibald, who's quite miserable of his circumstance, always had to be away from the house and garden with his so-called business and didn't really want to return. But there he was, he returned, heard all the noise and laughter in the walled garden, what was going in, and sort of hobbled in himself and greeted by the gardener Weatherstaff and the uh, Dickon and Mary. And then all of a sudden, Colin came from behind the tree, walking and ran up and gave his father a hug. The sheer delight on that man's face and the end of the book story and the end of the film is the two of them hugging together, walking up the stairs into the mansion. And it's lovely to have a story like that, isn't it? Um, a lot of dramas don't seem to like having happy endings these days. They're getting quite cruel. What I think is lovely about The Secret Garden is a regeneration story. I think I came up with this with the Easter thing, the crucifixion 
or the resurrection that so many situations in our lives we seem to get stuck in the crucifixion of how everything is bad how everything is mean to us always giving out and some reason we sort of bathe and feel security on that and it's really need a kick up the ass to get onto the resurrection bit and that's what this story does there's that willpower there's that love and there's that regeneration and that to me is the basis of our sanctuary the garden sanctuary and I think the secret garden was an inspiration of many other stories that people tell their children tell other adults ever since and there's always elements of that and that's the reason I didn't go into a personal story myself because I know all I'd be doing is revamping the, uh, the secret garden but there are I've heard lovely rose garden stories I can tell a personal one of that a very short one uh, when I was a child I had a great aunt Rose happened to be a name and I absolutely loved visiting her this would have been in the 50s uh, because she lived to a name you went into a garden it was like the secret garden it was walled and it was full of roses and it had a pond and it had loads of bees and butterflies and all these things and birds continual twittering of the birds was fantastic and Rose herself would wear a dress uh, that was uh, full of printed with little roses she had sort of rose uh, fabric dress and she'd have this pink cardigan that she tried closing it would open up just to reveal all these roses as if it was attracting the bees and the birds to land on them as well and uh, she had us blonde hair I think that she was naturally blonde and always had this great ambient smile and my uncle and I can't remember his name unfortunately he stayed quite distant but he spent all his time in the garden and it was like something from an old storybook because my uncle he actually he didn't have a regular wheelchair his wheelchair was what I think they called a bath chair and it was made out of wicker and he sat in this thing that was like wicker and he could turn the wheels and get himself around the garden and he had a hearing problem and I think that's why there was the disconnection I couldn't get a conversation out of him I didn't know the deaf blind uh, the deaf language uh, but he, he didn't have a hearing aid he had the sort of it hearing horn you know that they you used to see in comics he's stuck in his ear and there's this great his master's voice type of horn uh, to try and get you a combination but the one thing with uh, people when they tell stories uh, to brighten people up it's full of enchantment it's full of fragrances and I wish on this session um, as from Monday I'm going to go on to broadcasting these from the groups because they have a provision there of live with and some of you that are watching now may well be gardeners whose gardens are absolutely full of blooms and blossom uh, I'm going to talk about jealousy later on there shouldn't be jealousy and it isn't a strong jealousy but I'm always amazed and I think this came up from when I was doing uh, astrology work I'm always amazed if someone was born in May someone was born as a Taurus it's almost as if they were born for gardens it's, it's as if each spring they open the doors they come out they wave a magic wand and the gardener pays attention sprays up broom broom and there's flowers and there's vegetables and there's birds and there's buzzing it's as if they don't need to do anything but just go out there and sort of wave a trowel maybe and it happens and uh, 
so you can get it's like an enchantment so you get these enchantment stories and often when these stories get carried away with the imagination with the enchantment with the fragrances and all the natures around everything else doesn't matter it's all what's enclosed uh, within your sanctuary and so out comes the fairy stories uh, you get into late summer and there's the toadstools and the mushrooms and these toadstools and mushrooms they open up and release the fairies that come and look after and help with the care and the love of the garden now there is another type of uh, garden story uh, that I picked up a few times is uh, where you go into this enchanted secret sanctuary garden and you're allowed a wish so what happens when someone goes into somewhere like there and they've granted a wish in these stories what's the most common wish it's always for some kind of acquiring of riches isn't it of some kind of wealth to pay off debts to live happily after ever after in a big house nice big car and all the rest of it and in some of these stories i've caught these uh, secret garden stories where there's a wish they've been granted and the person is surrounded with access to all these riches and they put they're told to put all this stuff into a bag and then go home and decide what they're going to do with all this newfound wealth and as they leave the gate or the door of the garden is shut and they're not allowed back in until all that they acquired has been shared out uh, they've had their wish and that's it so these stories and especially the secret garden onwards they tend to start with some form of isolation and of course this is what we're moving out of now uh, with the pandemic some people argue about that but it's it's like an enforced isolation a lot of people have welcomed it because it, wow I can actually spend time in my sanctuary developing my sanctuary engaging in my sanctuary without distraction without demands without expectations oh the paradise of that to some people and I must admit that's me sort of included in a way I've found it great that the world seems to have come down to my pace at the moment but for other people it's an incredibly frustrating situation because to them it is isolation it's being locked away uh, from everyone and everything the fact that you can't go up to a hug with some people going up to a tree in their garden doesn't quite cut it but these stories it's a lovely regeneration as I say a resurrection from this isolation from this inner persecution into a sense of community and a sense of love because I find one thing with a sanctuary it's not a retreat it's not a personal retreat you become in community with a whole different community you're in community with your trees your plants the birds the insects and everything that's around you do your best to be part of that rather than the controller of that and when you're in that kind of situation because you shut everything else out the community is what is around you not what you hope to be around with you like that wish and you get all the riches uh, there's an illumination of mind and that illumination of mind does always come to us if we dare to cast off the enforced belief systems 
that are put upon us by maybe family, our church, religion, employers, even the corporate advertising. Get rid of these belief systems and bathe comfortably in the flow of the consciousness, our imagination. Um, and through this, I'm really going into the holistic stuff for a minute or two here. I hope you enjoy this stuff. and you feel yourself being embraced by this. And when the consciousness flows, for some people, they bring up that imagery of their god, their goddess, their fairy queen, the spirit guide, or whatever we image as being that mentor, that sage, whatever guides us. And in that situation, in our sanctuary, in this case our garden sanctuary, notice, and people do notice, that's why it becomes defined as a sanctuary, is that restorative capacity of an outdoor environment where it's all about actions of love and care in this community. And I'm going a bit Steinerish here. Um, by doing so, it seems that we sustain our equilibrium in our consciousness, in our attitude, in our actions, in an equilibrium that we're not afraid to maintain despite what orders and demands are put upon us. And the one thing in, uh, in the case of the Secret Garden, there was Mary and uh, Dickon and Colin and Weatherstaff the gardener, they were all coming together and it all became a, and a wonderful group interaction of their stories even though they had their own individualities, their own vision of life. It was that lovely shared collection that they engaged in and suddenly the trees is as if the trees probably in that garden they were also members of the little community that they have formed and the and the flowers and everything around them was part of that community and it was all together in partnerships so there's, there's these wonderful partnerships in the garden sanctuary with the plants the flowers the birds the wildlife the bugs the fungi the trees and of course any fairies that are present and by doing so in the sanctuary why is a therapy is because we're so engaged with that network that network becomes our world it becomes our reality it becomes our present it becomes what is and it by doing so we turn off our connections to propaganda conspiracies the fear gate media and we all feel much better for it. And the wonderful thing about sanctuary, it might be on what we feel is our bit of land, but we tend to forget that. Uh, we forget that it's perhaps something that is owned and can be traded. We don't think that when we're actually in the garden sanctuary. What we do is surrender to the community and the whole recharge experience that we bathe, because in the garden sanctuary, things are forever being born, forever being living, forever blooming, forever fruiting, forever fading away into the next realm. I'd like to go on to another, uh, I didn't think this would last half hour, look at that. 25 minutes have been on already and I want to talk about another garden, uh, away from the secret garden. And this is uh, known as, he it's also known as secret garden, heaven's garden, it's in Pom mountain, uh, Koh Samai in Thailand, didn't actually go there, heard about it, but we did visit uh, places that are quite similar. And what it is, 
is a beautiful garden and you've got these on hills on mountains around Thailand but when these gardens are done it's almost as if the garden is a side dish to the Buddhist faith that is very strong in Thailand and those East Asian countries and Buddhism when you look at it what a gentle religion it is uh, it seems to be balanced but the mystery I find being the gentle religion it seems to focus on the Buddha and the image of the Buddha and the statues of the Buddha and for some reason the gardens become secondary I don't know if that was a Buddha intent <clears throat> it makes me think you know with the Jesus story I would think the last thing that Jesus thought of was a whole church network being formed uh, under his name but there is beauty and, and, and people can associate to these idols a lot of people put idols uh, into their gardens a lot of people can feel security perhaps from uh, idols uh, I, going away from a garden I remember there was a hike a couple of people I've been on hikes with in Scotland and uh, in those days there were phone boxes and we'd be going 